Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to NURFM. Greg Richard here, back joined with Scott Sharp. Scott, this is the first time for us this year. It is. It's been, well, six, seven, eight, nine long weeks. Nine long weeks oh, of winter no. or it, summer. It was emotional when we met. Oh, it was. If we, could, we only filmed it when we walked in. TikTok. TikTok it. What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought we'd talk about the Nashi pear. Right. Yes, very tasty. It's out in the shops to buy at the moment, but if you live in a nice cold spot, you might be able to give it a go. Yep. And we've had uh, someone write in about blossom end rot on their tomato, so we'll give them a hand trying to fix that up as well. Excellent. Of course, if you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call, 49216 216. And Scott, you're talking about the, the Nashi pear. Yes, the Nashi pear. What a beautiful tasting fruit. It looks a bit like an apple, actually. Yep. Uh, but uh, look, probably not going to grow it down here in Newcastle or where it's a little bit humid. But uh, certainly, if you, yeah, certainly if you've got somewhere you know a little bit of a cold spot yep. uh, further up the valley, give it a try. Uh, look, they're quite a nice little plant anyway. Only get about four meters tall. So if you just wanted to grow a nice looking you know deciduous plant, you yep. could do that in Newcastle and just you know hope that. You know, On the off chance you might get some fruit out yes, of it. Yes, some sort of miracle does happen. <laughs> but they do look like an apple. They look like a, a yellow apple mm. uh, with a slightly sort of, oh, how would you, a beige sort of almost coating or tinge to them. And they do taste incredible, you know, just like a, a, a sweeter, crunchier pear, I guess is the way to describe it. Uh, but look, you will need to have a nice, uh, well-drained position, um, you know, get uh, almost full sun throughout the day if you're going to try and grow one. Uh, but the other great thing about them is if you want to, you can try and grow them in a pot uh, because you can espalier them. And that means you prune them so that they just go against the wall in a, you know... Yep, I'm glad you described what that was. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I try and cater for everyone, including the, me, the simpletons. Well, <laughs> me who might not exactly know what it means, but yeah. So you just try and prune it in uh, what one, two, two dimensions actually. Up right. in, yeah, not yep. the three dimensions, uh, and uh, so it really works well then because you've got the plant up against a nice warm wall. Mm. Um, so it's just uh, you know soaking up that heat, and then the fruit will ripen a little bit better for you as well. Um, so yeah, look, a, a really great plant. Uh, if you put it in the ground, we'll get about four metres tall, four metres wide. So it's not a bad, you know, like I said, a bad plant to have uh, just growing in the garden, but a fantastic fruit. A couple of them, so you've got a uh, pollinator. And uh, yeah, hope for some chilled weather and uh, off you go. Pears. Excellent. Nashi pears. Why are they called nashi pears? I have no idea. Someone could help us. I thought you might have actually researched that. No, I, I, I didn't go that far. Into, it must be Japanese history. I didn't go that far. I right, no. We might Google that. Why well, they're called Nashi Pears. Yes, and who's the simpleton now? <laughs> it's me. Because Nashi is Japanese for the word pear. So it's really a pear pear. Yeah, that's pear to the to the power of two. Two, so it must be the tastiest pear yeah. that you could ever eat. Because it's a pear. Jeez, we really could have thinking something better than that than pear pear. Yeah, it's, it's a, a pear. <laughs> Let's leave that. <laughs> yep. We have got Julie now from Wombarill, and she's got a question about sweet peas. Good afternoon, Julie. How can we help you? Hi, Scott. Two years ago, I planted sweet peas for the first time. Yes. They came up and they were about 10 foot to 11 foot tall. Brilliant. Great colours and smell was beautiful. So I kept the seed and when I planted them last year, they all came up maroon. 
Oh, that's that's a bit odd, isn't it? Um, well, look, I wonder why that's happened. Um, seed is, you know, just a variant as well. So you can get, um, you know, there's you can't not going to get exactly the same plant every time when you plant a seed, but it's unusual that they've all come up that colour. Uh, because yeah, they, they should come up the, the different colour or the colour that the plant was uh, in the original seed. So look, sorry, not sure that I can answer that question exactly for you. When did you uh, when did you plant them? March. March. I usually put them in. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the old thing was you weren't supposed to plant them until St Pat's Day when the humidity started to go away, but uh, that might have fallen by the wayside with you know the change in weather patterns that we seem to uh, to be having. But uh, yeah, you're going to give them a go again this year, Julie. Well, I've got self-sown ones coming up everywhere. So I thought, well, I I wouldn't plant this early because of all the rain and everything. But yeah. they seem to be coming up themselves everywhere. So I'll wait till March still and put them up. Yeah, but I'm sort of mesmerised what colour I'll get out of the maroon <laughs> ones this year. It might be better to go and get a fresh new packet and see how you go. Look, the reason we only plant, we plant them a little bit later in the year is the humidity is, uh, we don't want the uh, the sweet pea to, uh, you know, be growing the humidity because they suffer from fungal disease and uh, powder and mildew in particular. Uh, so that's why we wait until that uh, that humidity has left the, uh, you know, left the, the uh, season for us. Yes, I got sick of spraying them with soapy water. Yes, uh, yeah, really difficult uh, to keep. Not soapy water, the milk. Yes, yeah, in to, the water. yeah, to yeah. try and keep the, the the mildew under control. So it is difficult if it's humid. So that's why people wait a little bit longer. Okay, okay. okay. Good luck I'll with it again. How I go this year. They Thank are you. they are an easy and spectacular plant to grow. But the, I didn't realise they had such a perfume. Yeah, they're they're really really beautiful, and even someone with like me who can't smell a thing anymore uh, can actually smell the sweet pea. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Okay, thanks, okay. Scott. Nice to talk Bye. to you. Bye-bye. Uh, we just had another question came through earlier about the nashi pear. Oh. I want to know if, you, if the soil is suitable enough in Kempsey. Oh, Kempsey, I reckon up around Kempsey, they need a well-drained position. So, you know, down around the river, it's going to be, you know, fairly heavy soil down around there. So Not ideal. Not ideal. I would think, uh, you know, you'd want it to build it up at least if you were going to try and grow it around the flats, the river flats. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, if you're living up in the hills a little bit more around Kempsey, because there are quite a few hills as you get away from the river. Um, yep. Yeah, probably all right there, but not around the river flats. Right. And a caller is asking for Scott's advice on blossom rots in her tomatoes. Yes, that's correct. We've also had uh, Kerry and Ron yes. e- email. Right. Fantastic. Love the old email. So email, we've got... What's, the, what's our email address again? <laughs> uh, that, 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 the technical side's up to you. I'll, I'll just it's answer the question. It's gardening at 2 com. <laughs> Very good. We love our emails and we love our email address. Uh, these people, uh, Kerry and Ron, are also having trouble with their tomatoes. They're getting blossom end rot. Right. Yeah. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound... And it doesn't look very nice either. Uh, the fruit sets... Uh, and down the bottom of it, it just starts to wither and go brown and horrid and all soft. And all oh, right, yeah. So look, some people think it's a, a fungal disease, um, but it's actually a calcium deficiency in the plant. Okay. Yeah. So uh, one way that it becomes very deficient in calcium is if you have a lot of rain. So that's probably the reason why people are seeing blossom end rot at the moment. It just dilutes the calcium and washes yep. it down through the soil. Uh, sometimes, if people feed with high nitrogen fertilizers as well, uh, the plant's unable to unlock the calcium out of the soil. Uh, so, look, there are a couple of things you can do. You can just go and get, uh, you know, your a really calcium-rich uh, fertilizer or some calcium nitrate yep. and feed it. But there are some other ways to um, to do it. You can get, uh, you know, some shells down at the beach. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, crush them up. You can get some eggshells if you want to and crush them up. Oh, right. Yeah, and put them just, uh, you know, when you're planting the plant originally. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of calcium there for the uh, for the plant to uh, suck you, up out of the soil. And you pour milk on it? Oh, I don't know if that's going to be very helpful, especially <laughs> if it curdles over time. But, uh, well, look, if you've got a hoity-toity plant, you could feed it oyster shells. Oh, joy. Yes, it would like that. Very fancy. It would be very fancy. Uh, mussels, look, any any old shellfish, uh, you know, you probably head down to the beach if you want to and find some shells down there and just, you know, crush them up uh, and get them into the soil. And it the plant will just, uh, you know, suck that out of the soil through its, you know, its season. Uh, and especially if there's a lot of rain, if you've got some eggshells, it's not going to wash away as much as well. But if you do need to uh, do a very, you know, immediate treats for the plant if you're seeing that blossom end rot on the plant uh, you can actually get some uh, calcium rich fertilizer some calcium nitrate for instance and mix it up uh, and dab it actually directly onto the oh, leaves right. of the plant yep. and we'll suck it in it won't fix up the the uh, the fruit that's already got the blossom end rot in it but uh, it will protect any new fruit that's going to come on so that's the way uh kerry and ron and uh the other caller who uh, called up to ask the question uh, if you want to get rid of your blossom end rot and try and keep it under control eggshells right eggshells yep. oysters seashells on the, sort of on the seashore. Sure. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> Sorry, Louise. We've got Joanne from a Lampton, and she's got a plant that she's quite happy with, but it's quite old with not many leaves. <laughs> Joanne, how can we help you? Sounds a bit like me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a happy plant. Ah, right. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy. I'm a little bit old, but, you know. Well, uh, I've had it for at least 15 years. Yes. And um, it's all stem, all bar the uh, top. Yes. It's got leaves on it. Okay, now in that 15 years, what, what care and treatment have you given the poor plant? Has it um, been in the same pot or...? Yes, it has. Uh, okay. Well, and any fertiliser or anything with it? No, just water. Just water. <laughs> 15 years, that's a long time. <laughs> Uh, but let's try and fix it up for you. Uh, look, happy plants are, uh, might be a little bit pot-bound, I think you're going to find, if you pull right. it out of the pot. Uh, you can certainly just, you know, take it out if you want to and give it a very, very good root prune. Don't mm -hmm. be worried about doing that. Yeah. Uh, and then some nice fresh potting mix for it. You can put it back in the same pot if you want to, uh, but just give it a root prune. Mm -hmm. uh, so it tricks it into thinking that it's going to get bigger and, and grow. So as those roots grow and it has more nutrient, uh, then you'll find little shoots coming out. Uh, of the woody stem right and so you'll get a nice green plant uh, over again uh, but i think the main thing is uh, not to let it go 15 years without a feed uh, i think you probably start to need uh, you know do some regular fertilizing uh, with it every three months you can just put some slow release osmocote uh, type okay. fertilizer on there or if you wanted to you can get a uh, green and growth indoor plant food a liquid plant food and uh, give it the occasional uh, water with that as well all right, thank you. Okay, but yeah, don't be afraid about giving it a root prune. Uh, you know, to, to propagate happy yep. plants and those sort of dracaenas, they actually just cut the woody stems and plop them in the soil and they uh, grow new roots and off they go again. So giving it a, a you know a bit of a root prune is not going to hurt it at all. All right, thanks very much, Scott. Okay, not a problem. Thank you thank for you. the call. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. We've got Dawn from Brookfield and her son zucchini plants are losing their flowers. Hello, Dawn. That doesn't sound too good. What, what's been happening? No, He's not happy about it. <laughs> uh, now, are they out in the full sun, those plants? Yes, they are. Yeah, okay. Look, I think, um, you know, as, uh, you know, we've been talking a, a lot about the rain and the humidity, uh, the uh, zucchini is actually very uh, susceptible to getting fungal disease. It does affect the, the blossom on them. Uh, so oh. some spraying um, with some copper oxychloride, 
um, will keep any downy mildew under control on zucchini plants. If you're seeing new blossoms come on there, you can spray those as well just to try and keep that, uh, that uh, downy mildew under control. Oh, okay. That's wonderful. Okay, that's I'll pass right. that on to you. Thank and you very much. That's right. Just that's make sure that they're, you know, in a well-ventilated area, I guess, is the best way to think about it. If they're out in the full sun, that's a great thing. Uh, you know, not letting them grow in amongst each other. Uh, try and, you know, separate them a little bit so there's some airflow around them. Yeah, they're in a paddock, so... Oh, okay, that's... that's <laughs> there's a lot of airflow out there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks for the call, Dawn. Appreciate it. Okay, cheerio. Bye-bye. We've got Leonie from Head and Greeter, and she's got questions about asparagus and spiders. Ooh, were they all together? Leonie, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> well, no, the spiders are a, an issue, a different issue. Yes. But I've had asparagus for two or three, uh, yeah, two or three years easily, and I believed after two years it should have produced asparagus. Well, yes. It's given me one or two spears, and that's about it. Well, that's not very much help for me when I want to... <laughs> Some, some asparagus so what 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 am i not doing right yeah so uh, have you been fertilizing the uh, the area at all where the asparagus growing i have i've done it a little bit not a lot though what, what have you been fertilizing it with i just a liquid fertilizer yeah look that that's great so you keep on using some liquid fertilizer around the area around the plant look i'd also probably use something a little bit uh you know a little bit heavier just some organic matter um, you could use some blood and bone around your asparagus and perhaps some cow manure as well because they love asparagus love a really sort of rich you know uh you know organic matter to grow in so i'd start building it up with some blood and bone a little bit of cow manure and then see how you go with that Oh, good, I can do that. I've got that on hand. Yep, uh, but yep. look, it's not going to be an instant fix for you. It might not be until next year that, uh, you know, you start to get some more spears coming up. Oh, well, it's going crazy. Otherwise, it just doesn't give me any spears. Ah, okay, yeah. So it might be, the fertiliser might be a little bit high in nitrogen. Be careful about that. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why I'm suggesting using some blood and bone and some cow manure just to try and get that uh, that root growth, I guess, gr- growing is the best way to think about it. Uh, if you've got some sea soil, you could also use that as well. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Um, I've got pot plants that get spiders on them. Is there anything that I can use safely to keep the spiders off pot plants? Yeah, so for that, you just have to get a pyrethrum spray uh, and start spraying that around the the area just to keep the spiders under control. So that doesn't matter, like that's not going to hurt any of the plants? No, 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 not at all. Uh, and if you're not drenching, you know, just just a general spray around, that'll keep spiders and ants under control as well. Okay, thank you. Okay, good luck with it. Thanks, bye. Okay, thanks, Leonie. And we've got John from Curry on the line, and he's got a question about rhubarb. Good afternoon, John. How can we help you with your rhubarb? Scott, what eats the leaves? Oh, I reckon at the moment uh, it's going to be those little green caterpillars. They're out and about and everywhere. The other thing that will get them uh, are snails, the little baby ones. They'll make an absolute oh. meal of rhubarb. Right, yeah, right, Yep, so look, for that, uh, getting rid of the snails, just have to use some sort of snail bait around there. Yep. Try and use one that's, you know, safe for, uh, you know, animals. Well, you can make up yep. a little um, snail bait um, sort of... Uh, 
tin, I guess, or, you know, ice cream container where you just cut little holes in the snails get in. A bit like my letterbox, actually, because the snails love it in there. So you could come and grab my letterbox and it makes a fantastic little snail bait place. Um, and look, otherwise, for the uh, the little green caterpillars, you just have to spray on the undersides of the leaf with some uh, pyrethrum uh, and just note any withholding period before you eat the plant. Not a problem. Okay. Thank you very much Absolutely. for the call, John. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Bye-bye. We've got Doug from Talara, and he's got a question about weeds. Afternoon, Doug. How can we help you? Oh, mate, I've got some um, horse manure put in our garden oh, many, many years ago. Yes. And we get these, I think they call them horse oak weeds. Yes. I cannot for the life of them get rid of them. I've poisoned them with slasher. Or I've poisoned them with Roundup. Oh. And it just seems the more and more you touch them, the more and more they multiply. Yeah, look, that, that's the trouble with horse manure. Um, it, it's As you know, it's when it, it goes through the horse, it's not uh, very well uh, chewed up um, by the, the teeth and the stomach, and it sort of comes out with a lot of you know green in it. So often you'll find uh, a lot of weed or seed um, in horse manure, so you just have to be very careful about using horse manure. Um, look, as far as treating it, though, have you been trying to pull them out, or you, you mentioned spraying, but have you been trying to pull them out at all? Pulling... Digging, yeah. poisoning, uh, swearing even, but that doesn't seem to work. Look, an, another way to try and get rid of them is to get a whole lot of newspaper yep. uh, and, and lay those down over the area nice and thick and then put some mulch over the top as well. So effectively, you're trying to just choke the weed out um, and crush it so it can't come through. That might be a way to you know try and at least get it out of one area. Uh, you know you can be spraying at the same time as well. It's important to not let it get to seed uh, because once the seed starts spreading, that's when it becomes uncontrollable. So if you do see it poking up, you have to get onto it nice and quick and give it a spray or do that uh, newspaper and mulching method that I just suggested. Yeah, well, we do want to mulch, so yeah, so we'll just put a heap of newspaper down and we'll put mulch over the top and just. I, I think so. Look, you, you can mulch heavily, but uh, sometimes it's not quite enough if you've got a big weed infestation. So that's why you need the additional newspaper there, uh, just to try and break it down. Eventually, once you know your mulch and your newspaper's gone, you know, off a bit, you can start yep. tilling that over. Uh, but you need to know that you've uh, choked out that weed um, properly. So you, in fact, what you could do is if you think you're ready to. Uh, uh, you know, start to till that mulch and newspaper back into the soil. You could just cut a little piece and like a little let a, a little square open uh, to see if any weed comes back out of that. That'll give you the message that you have to uh, either keep that mulch on there a lot longer, or uh, you can uh, start tilling it through. Excellent. All right, I'll give it a whirl and I'll let you know how we go. Appreciate it. We always like feedback, Doug. So that'll be great. Well, hopefully, it'll be positive. Okay. Good on you. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Doug. We've got Wayne from East Maitland, and he wants to know why his zucchinis are so big. Interesting question, Wayne. Uh, what's happening? What are you feeding them with? Absolutely nothing. Compost. Oh, a little bit of compost and water. Yep. Uh, they're coming back white. They're not changing to the green colour. Right, okay. Uh, we took one down to Heritage Nursery. Yes. And they said uh, that throw them away because it's no good. Right, okay. Um, um, my wife took another one off, made a zucchini slice out of it, and yep. it was lovely. Ah, okay. These, these things are about a foot long, about eight or nine inches in diameter, and we're pulling... It takes about three days to go from a flower to a big zucchini. 
Wow, that's it looks like that, it's on steroids. Wow, that's that's very very quick. And and you said you've been using compost. What was in that compost you've been uh, fertilising them with? My wife just throws out the compost in the compost heap, turns it. Yep. And um, yeah, just uh, that's about it. Wow, no, wow. No, just and water, and that's it. Nothing else. Well, that that sounds fantastic. Now, did you grow those uh, zucchinis from seed, or did you get them, uh, you know, as a seedling? As a seedling. Ah, okay. So I, and um, I'm just uh, having a bit more of a think about anything else. You know, you might be, uh, might be feeding it with. Um, did you say? Did you um, as as a seedling? So, look, so, and seeds. Sometimes you can get, uh, you know, plants that have gone through the process and they actually get mislabeled. And I'm wondering if you might just have, um, you know, rather than buying a green zucchini, you might have accidentally, you know, been given. Uh, you know, yellow or golden zucchini, and that—that's why you're getting these different coloured, um, you know, fruit on there that you didn't think you were going to get. It's—it's it's not unusual for it to occur. We, um, our back garden, our, our garden at the back, our basil's about two foot high. Yes, I've never seen basil like that. We're still getting the little cherry tomatoes off by about a dozen each day. Um, the garden's just gone berserk. We haven't put any fertiliser. Except the mulch. Well, I, I think your your wife needs to patent this uh, this compost <laughs> that she's mixing up and, and get it out to market. It's, uh, it's just unbelievable. I just thought I'd ring it out. Yeah, no, that, um, that that look. That's the only the only reason I could think that they're yellow rather than green because you've just you know been accidentally given you know a mispackaged um, plant. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, as far as the the fertilizer, it sounds like they uh, sounds like they love it. They certainly do. As yeah. I said, it's just gone berserk. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks very much for the call, Wayne. Appreciate it. Okay, no problem at all. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. The Guardian Talkback on 2NURFM. Scott Sharp, we're nearly out of time for another week. Oh, no, that's that's not good. Is there something you want to mention before you walked out? Yes, I was actually going to talk about uh, pawpaws. Right, right, yes. Yeah, yeah, because they're, they're out at the moment. Uh, look, quite an easy plant to grow in the garden. They need to be out in the full sun. Look, um, people, you know, love pawpaws, uh, you know, not necessarily the taste of them, but, you know, they say they have, you know, really good health, you know, qualities, medicinal yep. qualities about them. Uh, you have to be careful you get a bisexual one. Yep. The males don't fruit. So uh, if you're going to get a pawpaw, make sure you go to your garden centre and say, and get the, the bisexual one. pawpaw. Yep. Uh, because, yeah, you just won't get any fruit off them. They can look a bit unsightly, so, you know, they get quite tall, uh, probably six, eight, nine foot tall, uh, and, uh, you know, they look a bit straggly as well, but once the fruit comes on them, you know, that's what it's there for. So if you want to grow them and you don't particularly want an unsightly plant in the garden, maybe, you yep. know, pop them down the back somewhere or... Put them in the corner somewhere out of, yes, out of sight. Yeah, out of sight, but, uh, look, people do love the fruit, um, because of those medicinal qualities, so, you know, the, the whole, you know, raft of information about, you know, the curative, um, you know, potential of pawpaws. All right. Yeah. Um, Didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very interesting plant. Uh, easy to grow, uh, you know, very quick growing. Is the fruit smelly or am I thinking of something else? No, it's, remember, it's a yellow fruit with lots of little, little black seeds oh, in yeah. there. Yeah. Right so, on. no, it really doesn't have a, a much of a taste. So I guess more of an astringent taste than anything. Uh, the only thing is, uh, you know, they are a uh, plant that, you know, will grow in the tropics. So, uh, will do quite well here. It looks a little bit unsightly in winter, though. Right. Other than that, though, a lovely plant. A lovely yeah. plant, yeah. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. And we'll catch you again next Monday. Fantastic. For Gardening Talkback. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.